Uh, 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10. Go ahead and turn there. 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10. Let me just kind of tell you where we are. Samuel uh, is God's prophet. He is God's priest. Uh, He is really what most theologians believe and what I believe when we see in the Scripture. He's the last of the judges of Israel. And uh, Israel's in a tough time right now because what they've done is they've seen uh, the faults and the flaws of uh, these judges, and they've seen, you know, just how wicked man can be. And they come to Samuel, and they said, hey, we're tired of this. Because here's the thing. The priest before Samuel, Eli, you know how his sons were described? Guess what they were? Scoundrels. They were scoundrels. They were wicked men. They were evil. And yet they were, quote, unquote, servants of God. And and so Samuel comes in, and Samuel is God's man, and he is a godly man. There's no doubt in my mind. Listen, the more I learn about Samuel, the the harder it is for me to find, really, any flaws in this guy, right? Now, here's the thing. He ain't perfect, and I know he's got flaws, but man, when I read this passage of Scripture, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Samuel, and he's completely listening to God with the intent to obey God, Okay? And so Samuel comes along and, you know, he he has a family, he has a couple of sons, and he's even appointed them in leadership positions. They're they're what I like to call sub-judges. They're helping their father. But do you know what it says about Samuel's sons? They were dishonest. They they were crooked. (laughs) They they were sinners. And, And the people are just tired of it. And so the people come to Samuel, and you know what they say? Hey, Samuel, we want a king like all the other nations have. And do you remember how Samuel responded? The Bible says he was displeased. But did Samuel attack them? Did Samuel respond to them with what he wanted to say? No, the Bible says he immediately prayed. He prayed. He went to God with his displeasure. He went to God with this demand that the nation of Israel was, was giving him, was you know taking to him, and God said, you go back and you listen to him. Listen to what they have to say. And at the same time, you warn them. You warn them what having a king like the other nations is going to be like. And so Samuel did that. And he came back and God said, I'm going to give them that king. Now think about that for just a minute. How do you think Samuel felt? How do you think Samuel felt in that moment? Do you think Samuel might, let's just, let's just put ourselves in Samuel's shoes. Do you think he might would have said, hey God, did I hear you right? Hey, God, are you sure about this? Is that really what you want me to do for your children, for your nation? I believe what Samuel needed to experience, and I believe what Samuel needed to see, was he needed to see God's sovereign hand. More than that, I believe what Samuel needed to see was he needed to see the mercy of God. Somehow, some way, he needed to see God's sovereignty And he needed to see God's mercy because there wasn't nothing expected about this. There wasn't nothing explained about this. Listen, Samuel was standing there and all he could do in this moment, one of two things, he could either trust God or not trust God. You ever been there? You, You ever been in that place where you only have two choices? You either trust what God says or you don't? Samuel's in that place. And so I believe we're going to see God's sovereignty. I love what the Holman Bible Dictionary says about sovereignty. Listen to this. The Holman Bible Dictionary says, God possesses all power and control over all things. Do you believe that? 
I do. God rules and works according to his eternal purpose. See, where we get messed up is we want, we want to know God's purpose right here and right now. Because that's all, that's all we can see is right here, right now. But understand this, God, he sees it all. He sees it all. He sees beyond our little selves. And so the Holman Bible Dictionary says God rules and works according to his eternal purpose even through events that seem to contradict or oppose his rule. And so as we read the Bible, we hear God's voice. Listen, I I believe we are blessed today because we get to see the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We get to read it all. We get to see how God has worked time and time again, even when things don't seem to be going right, God makes it right. Amen? Now, Let's come back to reality. Do we live that way? Even though we've got every word in our hands and we see all the evidence, do we live that way? I I see some of you shaking your head. You better all be shaking your head because we don't live that way. We question God time and time again. You know what else we do? We doubt God, don't we? We doubt Him. We struggle in our trust issues with God. Let me just tell you something. The hand of God is at work even in the outrageous demand of Israel to have a king like other nations. You say, Brother Jeff, why is that an outrageous demand? Why is it an outrageous demand that Israel wants a king like the other nations? Here's why. Because it is a rejection of God as their king. It's outrageous for them to go to the man of God, the prophet of God, and say, give us a king like the other nations. You want to know why it's outrageous? Because God had set them apart. He had called them out of the nations. They were to be his children, his nation, and they were to be a light to the world. And instead, they said, oh, no, we want a king like the other nations have. In other words, we want to be like them. And so this was a rejection of God as their king. And I'm going to tell you something else. Because this might sound funny, but we're going to see it in Scripture today. So whether it's funny or not, it's God. The hand of God is at work even when a son goes looking for dad's donkeys. That's what this passage is all about. It's about a son who is sent out by his daddy to look for some lost donkeys. So even in the most seemingly non-important circumstances and places, what we're going to see in Scripture today is that God is sovereign and God is merciful. Now, you might say, Brother Jeff, how can you say that God's mercy is shown through choosing a king who just blows it, who who just leads Israel in what seems like the wrong direction? Well, I go back to what Dr. David Jeremiah said. Dr. David Jeremiah says sometimes God will answer our prayers and give us what we want so that we can hit the bottom and realize that He's all we got. Sometimes that's what has to happen. And it's happened in my life. It's happened in my life. Here's what we're going to see. Two things. I hope you walk out of this place today and you know this. Not just know it, but believe it. God is sovereign. All power, all control, Over all things. He rules and he works with eternal purpose. And God is merciful. 1 Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 says, 
there was a Benjamite, a man of standing. That means a man who had some stuff, respect, wealth, all of those things. There was a man of standing whose name was Kish, son of Abil, the son of Zerah, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiah of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Those two verses sound really good, don't they? Not only do they sound really good, they look really good. I mean, these two verses, if you were to say, man, let's start a story. Man, this story's starting pretty good. I mean, we got a wealthy guy. We got a guy who's very respected, a guy who is powerful. His name is Kish. He's got a son, and man, his son is the best-looking guy around. Not only that, he's a head taller than everybody else. I'm glad your pastor search team all those years ago wasn't looking for the most handsome or the most tallest guy to be your pastor, Okay? Because if I would have put my application in, they would have said, son, you don't qualify. Okay? But think about it. What does our world look for? What does our world look for? The, the wealthiest, right? The most powerful. The handsomest. The tallest. The biggest. The strongest. You see where we're going? So Saul was from a prominent family. Here's the foundation for Saul. He was from a prominent family, and he was an impressive figure. An impressive figure. Remember what the people cried out to uh, to Samuel with. How did they cry out? Here was their cry. We want a king like the other nations. Well, guess what? God's going to give them a king of their asking. He's even going to go above and beyond their asking. This king is going to be better looking than any other king. He's even going to be taller than any other king. What does that say to them? That says, man, we got the best. We got the best. But remember... Sometimes God lets us have our own way so that we will one day recognize that we need Him. Nothing and no one else. So as we keep reading, and I'm not going to read every, every scripture, but as we keep reading, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, we find out that Kish was extremely wealthy and, and extremely resourceful, but somehow, someway, his donkeys got away from him. Right? The donkeys just disappeared. Like, they're gone. He can't find them. So what does he do? He takes this good-looking, tall son, the son of a wealthy man, right? Not, a, not, not just anybody, but he sends his son to go look for the lost donkeys. And so he says, Saul, I want you to go find my lost donkeys. I'm going to give you this servant. He'll go with you. Bring my donkeys back to me. And so they travel throughout the land, right? They're going everywhere, everywhere. They travel all through Israel. And guess what? They can't find the donkeys nowhere. Like, where are the donkeys? They can't find them. Do you know what Saul says? Saul says, well, since we can't find the donkeys, we better quit. Let's go back home and tell Daddy we can't find the donkeys. Let's go back home and tell Daddy we can't find the donkeys. Let me ask you a question, right? Does it seem like Saul is very resourceful at all? No. Doesn't seem like he's resourceful. I mean, come on. You can't find... You know, donkeys, you can't follow tracks, you can't go around and ask people. You know what? He struck out. He said, Daddy's going to get worried about us more than he is the donkeys, so we better get back to Daddy. And so the servant, he, he's got a different, different mindset. Look at verse 6. It says, but the servant replied, look, 
in this town, there is a man of God. Why didn't Saul say that? Why was it this Saul's idea? Let me tell you why. Because he wasn't very spiritual minded. Red flag number one. Red flag number one, the servant knows more than the future king. Mm. But the servant replied, look, in this town there is a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. In other words, hey, maybe this man of God can tell us where the donkeys are. Saul said to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? So Saul said, man, I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing to give him. The servant answered him, right? The servant said, look, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, come, let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. So sometimes you see the two words, you see prophet or you see seer, it means the same thing. So basically, the servant says, let's go to the prophet. Let's go to the man of God. Good, Saul said to his servant, come, let's go. So they set out for the town where the man of God was. As they were going up the hill to the town, they met some young, woman, some young women coming out to draw water, and they asked them, is the seer here? He is, they answered. He's ahead of you. Hurry now. He has just come to our town today, for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. As soon as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Go up now. You should find him about this time. So remember what I told you. Two things are in play. Two things are working even in the midst of a pretty silly story. Right? A son looking for daddy's lost donkeys. Okay? Something's happening. Let me tell you what's happening. The sovereign hand of God. That's what's happening. Whether it's silly, sorrowful, or anywhere in between, God is always working. Do you hear me? God is always working. That ain't my word. You know whose word that is? That's Jesus. Go look in the book of John. You know what he says about his father? My father is always at work, and I am always busy about my father's business. That's what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. So God's working. As a matter of fact, the sovereign hand of God was already at work before the son was looking for the lost donkeys. So not only was God's plan perfect, but his timing was perfect. Do you see that? His timing was perfect. Think about this. Saul's looking for lost donkeys. He gives up. He's ready to go back home and tell daddy, sorry, daddy, your donkeys are gone. Okay? We can't find the donkeys. He's ready to give up, to turn around. But God had a servant with him. And that servant had heard about the man of God, about the prophet of God, who, who when he said things, those things happened. So God had the right person standing next to Saul who was not spiritually resourceful or not spiritually minded. He had someone there who brought attention to God. God's plan, right, is perfect. And his hand is working. Nothing we see here is coincidence. Hey, listen, they didn't, didn't just happen to stumble and bumble upon a group of ladies who were drawing water, right, at the well. 
This wasn't just some stumbling and bumbling. It may look like that, but I'm going to tell you something. When God is at work, it ain't just coincidence. It's providence. Providence. God had him at the right place at the right time. So even though, even though Saul was not spiritually perceptive and would have never gone to the man of God on his own, God was working. Amen? God was working. Let me, let me tell you why I say this. You might say, well, Brother Jeff, how can you tell me that Saul was not spiritually perceptive? I want to take you backwards in Scripture, okay? You don't have to turn there. Just listen. In 1 Samuel, right? In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says this about the people. It says, all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as the prophet of the Lord. Did you hear that? All of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, that means every territory and every person knew who Samuel was and knew that Samuel was the prophet of God, except Saul. Saul didn't know who this guy was. Saul, it wasn't Saul's plan to go see Samuel. It was the servant's plan. So think about that for just a minute. Verses 1 and 2 says, I got a guy. Ooh, do I have a guy. He comes from a prominent family, and this guy is impressive. But he don't know God. But God said, give them the king that they want. 1 Samuel, and I'm not going to read all this passage. I'm just going to tell you. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 14 through 16, God's sovereign hand is at work. And guess what happens? Saul takes the advice of the ladies, and he says, you know what? Let's go that direction. Let's get on this road. And so Saul is making his way toward Samuel. But here's the thing. Guess what the Lord had already told Samuel? Hey, Samuel, at this time tomorrow on this road, the man who is going to be the king of Israel will be coming toward you. (laughs) Coincidence, right? Coincidence? That's what the world wants you to believe. No, this is providence. God told Samuel exactly where he wanted him to walk at exactly what time. And listen, even though Saul didn't know who God was and wasn't in tune with God, guess what? God set up the stage for him to follow the advice of a servant to follow the advice of some ladies he had never seen before, probably never see again, to go in a direction that God wanted him to go. Somebody tell me God's sovereign. Huh? God is sovereign all the time. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. And this is what he told Samuel. He said, this man will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. So God's purpose for calling Saul as the next king is to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. You want me to tell you why I've been saying God is sovereign and God is merciful? Listen to what it says. God said to him, I have looked on my people for their cry has reached me. So even though he's giving them a king like all the other nations, right? It's not a king after his own heart. It's a king after their own heart. Even though he's giving them this king, God is still having mercy on them. You want to know why? Because the Philistines have been whipping them and whipping them and whipping them. And God said, enough's enough. My people have been crying out. I hear them, and I'm going to rescue them from the hand of the Philistines. So verse 17 says, when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, 
This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? (laughs) Saul is so oblivious, right? I, I, I mean, this is the man of God you're talking to, right? He says, hey, dude. Can you tell me where the seer's at? Because i got to ask him an important question. I'm looking for some donkeys. Don't miss that, right? Saul, Saul ain't there with the mindset of, I'm going to be the next king of Israel. Man, that ain't nothing. That's as far from his mind as you can imagine. So Saul is coming up to the prophet of God, the man of God, and says, Hey, dude, where's the seer? Where's the seer? Verse 19, I am the seer. Samuel replied, go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning, I will send you on your way and tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys, as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They have been found. And to whom, and here it is, this is a key verse. He says, and to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? In other words, Samuel's looking eye to eye with Saul and says, son, Israel is looking for someone like you. The whole nation is looking for someone like you. All their desire is on you. Can you imagine what Saul's thinking? Saul's like, man. I got the donkeys, I'm going to go back and make daddy proud. And then he hears this. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? All of Israel desires someone like me. As a matter of fact, look at how Saul answered. Verse 21. Saul answered, but I, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? In other words, Saul is shocked. Like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, do you know who I am? Do you know where I'm from? Listen to me. The Benjamites ain't got a good name right now in Israel. I hope you understand that. The Benjamites were known as bad people. Like, they did bad things. Matter of fact, they were were like a warring tribe of Israel. Like, nobody wanted to be with them. Nobody wanted to mess with them. They were always making fights and making trouble. And, and so Saul says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamite. Like, do you know who I'm? Do you, and not only that, I'm from the smallest clan of the Benjamites. And so here's what I love, right? Here's what I love. Saul, I mean, Samuel already knew this. You want to know why Samuel already knew this? Because God spoke to Samuel. And what's great and what's beautiful is that Samuel obeyed God. I want to go back. Do you remember what Samuel felt when Israel said, give us a king like all the other nations? It said he was displeased. He was displeased with the people. How could you ask me to go to God with that demand, with that request? 
That's how he felt, displeasure. He went to God and he prayed to God and God said, listen to him and and warn him. And so he went back and look, I don't know what Samuel was thinking because it doesn't tell us in the scripture. I'm just trying to think, right? He goes and he gives them this warning and maybe, just maybe like a good teacher, right? You would expect after hearing a warning, hey, be careful of what you ask for because that's going to lead to disaster. Maybe, just maybe you're thinking the people would say, oh, well, never mind. We don't want that. But that's not what they said. They said, no, we want the king like other nations. Do you think Samuel might have still been just a little bit displeased? I I do. And, and, And God says, give them what they want. Do you think the displeasure just went away? I don't know. But I know this. Samuel's faith in God never wavered. Never wavered. When God said, give them what they want, Samuel didn't quit on God. How many of us do? Huh? How many of us would rather God work for us than for us to surrender and submit to Him? God, it's okay if you're sovereign as long as it works out for me. But when your sovereignty don't work out for me, bye. Not Samuel. Samuel heard God's voice and he obeyed God. So he went And he looked at Saul, and look, I'm going to tell you, this is my personal opinion, okay? So don't take this as gospel truth. I just have to think, when Samuel looked at Saul, (laughs) I think he was laughing inside. Really? Really, God, this is is who you want? A kid who can't find donkeys for his daddy, right? A Benjamite? Because do you know what Samuel knew? Samuel knew that the line was from the tribe of Judah. He knew that. He knew that. It's okay. We got people working right now, okay? Let's stop and pray right now for our first responders. Father God, right now, you know exactly what's going on. And God, thank you for the people that are responding. We pray for our sister in Christ. We pray right now, God, that you would help her, that you would hold her in your hand. God, give our first responders the opportunity to do what they do. And God, we trust you. We know that you're sovereign. We know that you're in control. So God, do what you do. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So God spoke to Samuel. God spoke to Samuel. And Samuel obeyed God. Amen. Samuel said, okay, even though I don't get it, God, even though I don't understand, I am submitted to you. And I believe in your purposes and your plans. Because God, you see through eternity. I don't. You see through eternity. So God, I stand in trust with you. I stand in trust with you. So God is working. Amen? He's working. Even when it looks like just some random things taking place, let me tell you something. Ain't nothing random when it comes to God. Nothing random when it comes to God. So even though, listen, even though Saul was not ready, even though Saul was not ready, Samuel still gave him the message. He gave him the message. And so watch this. 1 Samuel chapter 10. This next passage is very important. Listen to what it says. It says Samuel took a flask of olive oil because Samuel and Saul have had lunch together. Right? They, they, Saul, Saul, invited, Saul was invited by Samuel to the high place. And listen, I believe Samuel worshipped God. I believe Samuel prayed to God. Saul was a part of that. 
And so watch what happens. It says, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him. Do you know what Samuel was doing to Saul? It's called anointing. He was anointing Saul as the first king of Israel, and he was doing it privately. So it says, he took the flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men. Now watch what happens. Because Saul, remember how Saul responded. Dude, you must be out of your mind. Like I'm a Benjamite. I'm the least of these. And so watch what happens. Because Samuel's going to say, son, when God says it's going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. You've been anointed by the Lord. And watch what he says. When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelah, the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found, and now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats and another three loaves of bread and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gebeah of God where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. Watch this, verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. Someone who don't know God is about to speak God. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with Him and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So what we see is that Samuel privately anointed Saul. It was a special moment. It was one that should have emboldened and encouraged Saul. However, we've already said this and we know Saul was not spiritually perceptive. He still didn't get it. So what does Samuel do? Samuel tells him that the Lord will fulfill three prophecies to confirm this anointing. Samuel says, listen, if you don't believe what I'm saying, you're about to see what God can do. Because God's fixing to do this, number one, this, number two, and this, number three. And then you're going to know that God is sovereign. The donkeys will be found, number one. Saul will be given sacred bread. Those two loaves of bread, that was something sacred, right? It was an honor for divine anointing. Would those guys know what Samuel did privately? Nope. But guess who did know? God. How cool is that? Huh? God can do, here's how I've always explained sovereignty. God can do what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, with whoever he wants. That's sovereignty. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, wherever he wants, with whomever he wants. And so number one, donkeys are found. Number two, sacred bread is given and received. And then number three, the Holy Spirit would temporarily empower him to prophesy. Did you hear that? Temporarily empower him to prophesy. As you know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could fall and remove. Fall and remove. It could be given and it could be taken. That was God. 
That was God. Nothing and no one would stop God's plan. Nothing and no one would stop God's purpose. Not even the spiritual deficiencies or ignorance of the one who would be king. That's sovereignty. So as you keep moving forward, everything happens just as Samuel said to Saul. Everything happens. The signs are fulfilled. And now, I want you to understand this. Just because the Spirit falls on Saul and just because it says he's changed into a different person, nowhere in this passage is the Hebrew word for regeneration used. Please understand that. Nowhere in this passage does it mean that Saul surrendered to God with his heart and that God exchanged his heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Nowhere in this passage is the Hebrew word for regeneration used, okay? I want to be clear about that. Because here's the thing. Donkeys are pretty important in the Bible. Did you know that donkeys are mentioned over 120 times in the Bible? And did you know that in Numbers 22... God opened up the mouth of a donkey and spoke. Was that donkey saved? Nope. That donkey was used by God to say what God wanted to say to someone who needed to hear his word. Now, I ain't here to call Saul a donkey. Okay? Because I don't know if he's that smart. Well, actually, I do know he's not that smart because I've read the whole story. But I'm just telling you, don't, don't confuse this passage because a lot of people do. Don't confuse it. I would remind you that God is sovereign. That if God can speak through a donkey, He can speak through a person who doesn't truly know Him too. And God can use a donkey, and God can use a person who doesn't know Him. Saul's uncle, <laughs> this is where the story just takes a really crazy turn. So he comes back, right, and he brings the donkeys back. And Saul's uncle says, man, where have you been? Like, what have you been doing? And Saul's like, man, I've been looking for daddy's donkeys. Saul doesn't say, man, let me tell you something. There was this guy, his name was Samuel. Undoubtedly, he's some prophet of God, and he told me I was going to be king. That's not what he says. When his uncle says, where have you been? Here was his response. I've been looking for daddy's donkeys. That's the best news you got? Like, that, that, that's what you have to say to somebody? Like, all of it's going on in your life, and all you got to say is, I found the donkeys. God just made you king. Do you see this? God gave Israel the king they desired. Don't forget that. He gave them the king they desired. So here's the thing. The hand of God is already at work. We know that. It's called sovereignty. This is not randomness. It's sovereignty. And you know what else it is? It's mercy. It's mercy. God works in mysterious ways. We might not ever fully understand it. Uh, Listen, but here's the mercy. Even in our inadequacies, even in our lack of understanding, God does not stop planning and purposing for us. God sees beyond this little circle we call right here and now. God sees beyond that. He sees eternal. Eternal. We we are so narrow-minded sometimes. We're so narrow-focused sometimes. Many times when we make decisions, many times when we're walking with God, we're so short-sighted that we don't understand God, and we just since we don't understand Him, we just stop. We just stop trusting Him. 
we just stop speaking to him. That's the last thing we should do. We should keep seeking him and keep speaking to him and most importantly, keep listening to him. And that word listen means to hear with the intent of obeying. So here we go. I'll close right here. Verse 20, when Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken. (laughs) Golly. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. Here's where he was, verse 22. So they inquired further, the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. <laughs> this is a pretty important thing going on. Basically, let me tell you, Saul has already anointed Samuel. I mean, Samuel has already anointed Saul privately. Now, Samuel's about to anoint him publicly, right? And Sa- Saul knows this, and guess what he's doing? He's hiding behind the camels. He's hiding behind all the bags. And don't forget, he's the tallest person around. Like, the hardest guy to hide is the one hiding. So it says, yes, he's here. He's hidden himself among the supplies. So they ran and brought him out, and he stood among the people. He was a head taller than any of the others. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And again, I just think Samuel has got to be so trusting And Samuel's just got to have such a great sense of humor because he said, yeah, here's the guy that God chose for you as king. He's the guy that was hiding behind the camel supplies. Here, look at him. Just look at him. Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And here's what the people said. Long live the king. Long live the king. I'm going to be honest with you. If I didn't see any more of the story in my flesh, you know what I'm doing? I'm questioning God. I'm just being honest with you, okay? If I don't get to see chapter 11 and chapter 12, if I don't get to read the rest of 1 Samuel and get to 2 Samuel, where the king after God's own heart is, is, is is there, I'm looking at this going, God, really? Like this is your sovereignty? How is this mercy? I'm just being honest with you. In my flesh, I don't get it. I don't understand. But thank God for the Spirit who indwells me. Thank God for the Spirit, right, who stirs my heart and mind to say, you know what, even when I don't understand, I trust you, God. Even when things don't look right. Even when things don't sound right. God, you're sovereign. And I'm not going to go on what I feel. I'm going to go on what I know. And God, even when I'm hurting, you are merciful. Saul may have not been spiritually perceptive. He may, may not have been spiritually ready. But God chose him to be the first king of Israel. So here's the thing. This was God's plan. And this was God's purpose. God warned Israel time and time again through the prophets that an earthly king 
like, like the other nations, would pervert their justice, would enslave them. God said, this is what's going to happen. But God didn't just see this time period. He saw throughout time. And he said, hey, Israel, this is going to hurt. But, but it's going to hurt in such a way that one day you're going to come back to me. Ah, you see that? You're going to come back to me. This was both God's sovereignty and God's mercy on full display. God gave them a king after their own heart for now, but he had a plan to give them a king after his own heart. And do you want to know what? Okay? I love David, but guess what? David ain't a whole lot better than Saul. He ain't a whole lot better than Saul, but I'll tell you this. He was a king after God's heart. So even though David made mistakes, do you know what he did? He repented. He repented. He always turned back to his God. But here's the thing. The king that God saw was not Saul. The king that God saw was not even David. The king that God saw was the king of kings and the Lord of lords who would be the one true king for all time. Tell me God ain't sovereign. And tell me God ain't merciful. Let me just tell you something. We got elections, don't we? We got elections for, for sheriff and for governor and for president. And, and we got nation after nation after nation. And it looks, let me just be honest, it looks bad. It looks bad. Like, I'm going to just be honest with you, okay? I got no hope. I got no hope in any person that we elect, in any office. And I hate it if you are an elected official. But my hope ain't in you. My hope is in the God who is sovereign and the God who is merciful. And my prayer for you is that you will be God's tool to do God's purpose and plan, not just for right here and right now, but for eternity. That's my hope. So my question for you is this. Is Jesus the king of your heart today? Before you answer that, before you answer that, you better, you better look in the mirror. Is Jesus the king of your heart? Is he the one that you're fully dependent upon, that you fully trust? Or are you looking to a governor? Are you looking to a president? Are you looking to your bank account? Are you looking to your job? Are you looking to your spouse? What are you looking to to save you? Because here's the truth. There's only one who can save you. His name is Jesus And He has done everything that needs to be done to give you a hope and give you a future. That's the King. That's the King. He's the King. So is Jesus the King of your heart? That's the question you better be able to answer right now. And not only that, are you under the sovereignty and are you under the mercy of God? Because we sang a few songs a while ago, right? about how this world shakes and sometimes our house shakes, sometimes our health shakes, sometimes that bank account shakes. But let me tell you something. God ain't ever shaken. And when you're standing on a firm foundation who is Jesus Christ, you won't be shaken either. Even though everything about you and around you might be shaken, you don't have to shake because you know who the King of Kings is, who the Lord of Lords is, and what He says is all that matters. And death... Is just a doorway into what? Resurrection life. And if he suffered, then I'll suffer too. Because one day, my king's coming back, 
and my king's going to make it all right, and I'm going to be with him. And I'm going to be with him more than just a few years and start Louisiana. I'm going to be with him for eternity in a place called heaven where there's no more sorrow, no more sin, no more weeping, only joy. So I'm going to tell you, as silly as looking for donkeys might be, God used the silliness for eternal purpose. And as sad of a man as Saul will be, and I'm just telling you the truth, okay? If you don't believe me, keep reading 1 Samuel with me. As sad of an excuse of a king as he might be, guess what? God's plan and God's purpose still, still takes place. So I don't care who you elect president. I really don't. Because you know what? They all are sinners. They all are. Republican, Democrat, I really don't care what title you give them. Here's the thing. My God is sovereign, and my God is merciful. And I thank God that I'm in relationship with Him, and that His Spirit settles my heart when the things about me are shaken. I know what I know. I know who I know, and no one and nothing can change it. That's my King. That's my Jesus.